0: This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross me ask you a question. When it comes to change, how comfortable are you with the change? Well, according to my guest today, change is uncomfortable. And if you've forgotten what it feels like, go ahead and wear your shoes on the opposite feet. You'll soon be reminded about what change is like. And joining me on today's show is Bev Andrews. Bev, she is an experienced change management specialist who has devoted the past 20 years of her career to delivering business solutions across a broad range of services in a diverse set of industries as well bev has extensive experience in organizational management in managing developing and facilitating change in order to achieve organizational improvement And transformation. Now, during her career, Bev has worked with organizations of all different shapes and sizes, and she brings this experience to Aspire Change Management. And she continues to provide the highest level of practical as well as empowering change management support training and advice to Australian businesses. Now on today's show, Bev is going to share information and advice for change management professionals. What do we need to know? She's going to talk about ways in dealing with tactical and business change, as well as some of the latest trends and practices in organisational change management. So welcome to the show, Bev. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Thank you for having me. One of the interesting statistics that you shared, and I want to share with people today, because I think it'll really help us set the stage for today's conversation, is that 70% of change management projects fail. 70%, that's an incredibly high number.
1: It is, and it's one that gets banded around a lot. Um, originally, I think the language was "70% of your projects fail," um, because projects were were uh, being managed around schedule, budget, forecast, um, but actually not around what was being delivered and implemented, and, and um, how how it was adopted. And as we've sort of progressed a bit more, we're starting to realise: well, actually, you can deliver a product. But if no one's using it, then how can you say that it's successful? And so that's where the um, the, the 70% of changes fail.
0: It's the yeah. adoption, yeah. It's interesting that you should say that too because something else that you said, and I want to share with people, I think it would be, it's great context, is that the number one reason why change initiatives stick is leadership engagement and the number one reason why they fail, the lack of leadership engagement. So when you think about what you've just shared in that, when we change the areas that we look to measure, is this successful? Has this project been successful? There could be, and I know we're going to dive deep into that this today in our conversation, there could be some great initiatives that are rolled out, but are they sticking? Are our teams and our organisations continuing to roll out those changes? And obviously, it seems through the feedback that it is not. So let's have some conversations around how we may be able to, to change that and, and to have that stick and and, and all (laughs) of that, because if the last two years have shown us and have thrust us into change, uh, I don't know what, what, what other events can, can happen. So I think organisations around the world has constantly been in a state of flux and change, isn't it? And whether we've gone kicking and screaming through that change or done so, because some people love change, let's talk about what are some of the things that we need to be mindful of when it comes to change management. Okay.
1: Well, the first thing, I guess, um, that we've learned from the last couple of years is, yes, we can actually pivot very quickly. As, um, as individuals, as organisations, as a human race. Um, and and, um, and we can do that in um, numerous ways, but um, certainly at the community over here in, in Perth WA became very much around keeping the state safe. Mm-hmm. So you can see that um, the last two years we can do that, but that was very much crisis management. Um, And now what we're starting to see is as we move into what we're calling this new normal, what does life look like post-COVID, some of those changes are sticking. And so some of the learnings that we've had over the last couple of years are very much around, well, hang on a second, it was okay before to do Monday to Friday, nine till five and be on that treadmill of life, whereas now, hang on, life's pretty short. And if I can be as productive, um, if I can be a little bit more flexible, if I can actually feel I'm a little bit more in control of, of what I'm doing, then why can't I do um, my work well, but in a in a, in a a hybrid or a slightly different um, environment? And so that's one of the first challenges, I think, that um, as communities and organisations we're, we're facing. And... and um certainly my observation has been that uh, we're tackling that very much around, well, let's just offer flexible working, not mm-hmm. understanding enough around, well, what does this change mean in the organisation and across the organisation? So what does the organization's operating model look like when you start having this flexibility of people being present and not present um, and certainly outside of core operational hours? And then, of course, you go into the whole leadership of that. Mm-hmm. You know, how do, how do we move our leaders from? Um, they might they might enjoy that hybrid working personally, but then how do they actually lead and manage in this environment where they're not eyeballing people out? So there there are two of the the first um, I think significant changes that organisations are, are facing into at the mm-hmm. moment.
0: And so let's look at that. Let's dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that have been implemented that have facilitated then uh, the adoption of more of that hybrid, but then also from a leadership point of view, what are things that you're seeing working really effectively that will allow them to have a team to be able to work either from home or from the office or a blend of of both and still uh, have a team that are top performing, that still feel very much engaged and part of that community? even though they may be outside of the community, of the office, so to speak? What's what's working well? Um,
1: you know, I don't want to use the same old words that you sort of see sprouting up everywhere, but collaboration and that engagement with your individuals and team um, becomes super important. Um, but it has to be looked at with the lens of the right balance for the individuals and for the team to actually deliver its work and for the organisation to ensure that the organisation is still running um, super effectively um, and, and being really sort of um, uh, transparent and honest about what that looks like. So, yes, it's nice to to be able to, you, you know, work from, from home, but um, as we know, we're social beings and we can engage um, remotely. You know, you and I, we're engaging remotely, um, but how deep do we bore... Build a relationship if that's the only way that we're going to be communicating, and if you think when you're in the office, it's the side things that actually form that um, um, that glue, if you like. You know, it's the little things of being able to stop. Um, when you're making a cup of coffee and and actually have that sort of sidebar conversation, it's that unexpected joke that occurs when something happens in the organisation, you know, and it's those um, those little times of sharing that come up because you're in the moment, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the bigger challenges that. That we sort of face is um, how do we actually ensure we maintain that connectivity and we get the right balance for individuals as well as for the the team and the organization um, and the only way that could be done is it's just that constant collaboration that conversation um, and it probably means um, all of us adapting about bringing a little bit more of ourselves into the workplace
0: Yes. Yeah. And using tools, I think, that many of us and many organisations are now using or have been using as a day-to-day way to to connect and so forth. And I think when we look at, uh, and it sounds to me as if now organisations need to, when we're thinking about that collaboration, and everyone's going to be unique in your business, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's really understanding from an individual point of view, where do they feel best able to contribute and still be part of that? So what may fit for for one person or a number of your team may not necessarily fit for others as well. So are you finding that as leaders of our business, we need to be more connected individually to our team to have those conversations? What what works for you? Being very clear on some of the parameters and the outcomes that they need to deliver. Because some people find and have found that through working at home, they're far more productive because there are not, not so many of those water cooler conversations where you could get, you know, into a few team members (laughs) so uh, I think what are you finding is working really well when it comes to to finding where that happy balance is across the chain um
1: I'm actually finding it is, that, it is that balance of people feeling that they have that sense of control, um, mm-hmm. but they have that goal and purpose for work as well, um, feeling that they are trusted enough to be able to, you know, if I'm working from home, I'm actually working, or yes. that um, I don't have to deliver between nine till five during the day you know if you're up early um, and your children are, st- are still in, in better sleep but you're up early why can't you get on and do a couple of hours or in the evenings you know uh, when the kids get home from school and you can spend some time or you can do some study and then dial in so I think for people it's around expanding what that looks like but it's putting those parameters around it mm-hmm. um, you know because the out the offside of that is that our social lives and our family life then starts to bleed into work life and vice versa and and work's now bleeding into our family life. Mm -hmm. So it it is very much around um, laying out expectations you know what does the organization um, expect? I mean one of my teams that um, I was leading recently um, some of the guidelines I gave them was that two days a week I really wanted them to be present in the office Mm-hmm. And one day a week being present in the office on the same floor, so that as a team we were coming together. Mm-hmm. And another day of the week being present just in the office, sitting with their their other teams that they work with, because with change, you're sort of often matrixing across the organisation. Um, so sitting on different floors so that they're visible there. Um, and then be flexible with the other the other three days. Now, we had to sort of work a little bit at that. To make that work for us um because you know we, we were we were selecting days that also included some of our um really great meetings so um you know we we uh, were doing knowledge share and and things like that once a week and so it made sense so well, why don't we come together together and do that knowledge share because then we can build some of those team bonds as well you know yes. and we can do it off the back of maybe going out and you know whoever wants to let's just go and sit and have lunch together so mm-hmm. that we can actually be people not you know not just workers so it is really around sort of what does it look like for the organization what does it look like for individuals and then just coming up with a bit of well how do we make this work
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I think the hardest thing for our leaders now is having to have those very honest conversations yes crucial conversations and they might not be ready for that
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know
0: yeah, I was just going to say, so when you're saying that not ready for it, are you finding the difficult conversations coming from the team leaders, how to broach that with their team um, or, or vice it's, versa? It's it's a bit, it,
1: it, I think individuals are more comfortable sort of saying, I want to be flexible yes.
0: um,
1: and, I, and I want to work from home. I think they feel a little bit more um, empowered and in control of being able to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's harder for the leader to sort of go, well, hang on a second, how do I balance this from my perspective as a leader Mm -hmm. and then what guidelines am I then operating in within um, organisational expectations? And um, I've come across in some of the organisations where we put in these flexible policies and they are are very sort of beige, they don't really give any guidelines um, or any directives and you you end up with these sort of unspoken ground rules of what's expected. You know, Mm -hmm. so if your leaders... um, um, are in the office five days a week and they're there eight in the morning at five at night, they're actually displaying the behaviour of, well, that's what I really expect, yeah. you know. And the, conversely, if they are actually um, role modelling the behaviour of like, well, this is a really important meeting but we're going to do it through teams, then that sends a very loud message as well. But I think it's a bit of the support that goes around those those leaders um, mm-hmm. as to, you know, w- w- what can I... What can I say is okay and what's not? And then how do I manage the fact, well, we could trial this and see how it works, but what happens if it actually works for you but doesn't work for the team? What do we do then? So how do we then balance that? So, you know, something that, that you sort of think on the surface is fairly straightforward, starts to evolve all sorts of other complications and unintended consequences which is a facet of change management yeah and
0: and what I'm hearing you saying you know to get to that uh, balance it it, is that ongoing communication isn't it and uh, having that open communication that says that that when we come together and we can share our ideas and what's happening that if we do need to tweak it if we do need to change it that is okay too. And you're finding mm-hmm. that when there is no open communication and there are no parameters that are put into place, then it can get very leaky and very cumbersome. And Because sometimes, you know, there's things, it's like the elephant in the room, that, that saying that we we know things are not working well, but we have to address them quickly, don't we, rather than hoping yes. they're going to sort themselves out.
1: Most definitely. As soon as there appears to be, um, and, and this is where things like your intuition start to come in. You know, you, you start to sort of get a sense, oh, this doesn't this doesn't feel right, and and then broaching that conversation around, well, well why do you feel that things are not not right? And having that conversation with people, um, you know, my philosophy has always been that. Um, People go into the workplace wanting to do the best they can do and have the best day that they can possibly do. They don't get out of bed in the mornings and go, who can I antagonise today? <laughs> you know, there, there might be the odd person that you can probably come to mind and think, oh, I'm sure they do that. But, you know, uh, most people just, just uh, they want to have a, a, a healthy, happy, comfortable life, you know, and work mm-hmm. is a necessary part of that. Um, so they go into work with that intent of, you know, I'm going to try and do the best that I can. Um so when things aren't going so well, um, usually as an individual you can you you know yourself that intuition's coming in, um, but broach it while it's a small thing, you know, mm-hmm. because as soon as things allow to sit and um, and just boil away, then it starts to bubble and manifest with other people, mm-hmm. um, and you know most of us do do the right thing, um, but sometimes not everybody does. Yes, you know, and so it's it's just sort of like you know calling that behaviour out, and that's where those values become important. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually talk about what does that look like in action, um, and it's the the having that vision for the, what this team looks like, not just doing the day to day, you know, tactically what we need to deliver. This week, but the purpose of this team. How does this, um, how does this team's work? What does your individual contribution look like against the strategic direction of the organisation and the goals? And by anchoring people onto that. Um, you can see the outcomes you can see the engagement and the collaboration but yes the, the flip side is if, if you think things are going pear shape and you you can't put your finger on it but something's telling you then you know start having some of those little side conversations and start start digging away but it's a yeah. very
0: difficult time for leaders
1: um right now you know usually
0: <laughs> usually yeah, it it was change. probably beforehand there were complexities wasn't there and <laughs> to navigate through but now it's, it's it, life has kind of jumped a whole lot of other areas is that people uh. need. To- with Most as well. Most definitely
1: and, and for leaders you you know traditionally um, when strategic goals are, are being formulated at, at, at that senior table um, they come together and they've got to you know they they, they swap their ideas they take accountabilities they, they, they work out what their performance indicators are and you know that whether it's cascaded down or whether it's, it's shared and collaborated it doesn't really matter at, at, at the end of the day the leaders are on the front foot with that because they've spent that time digesting what that might mean and and what those changes might mean and so as these different changes sort of start to ripple out they're, they're actually already through that curve of you know um um of acceptance of where we're going so even if it's unpalatable decisions that have to be made that that you know ha- have some consequences, they've actually reconciled themselves to it. But as the um, change is then moving through the organisation, um, the impacted colleagues are starting to deal with it then, and the leaders have actually almost moved on to the next problem. So you start to get a little bit of a disconnect. Well, of course, with the last two years, we all faced it at the same time, <laughs> and That's so right. you know our poor leaders have been coping with their own individual circumstances. And then trying to adjust to this new world and trying to sort of work through you know i I think it's a really hard time for for executives and ceos around what when you're setting the strategy well what does it look like for the next few years you know um if we talk about a new normal what does that look like and so from a change and a change management perspective it's it's never been more critical to actually have those skills under your belt um, whether they be hard skills or soft skills
0: yeah. yeah. And also something that, um, you know, when you were talking about ways and dealing with tactical and business change, one of the things that you've said um, is that we always need to start with the end in mind. And there's something else mm. that said too constantly and I think this as leaders if we keep this in mind it can support our teams and that is when people feel a level of control and so then I'm assuming that it's when people feel that they don't have any sense of control that Mm -hmm. um and that may be different for everybody isn't it what does a sense of control look like for you you know that you like to be um Told in in advance, as much as in advance of certain changes, so that you can then uh, change some of the timetables. Versus, some people are quite happy. Oh, okay, I'm happy to change that. So, and I guess as leaders, it's finding the balance what works for my team individually and collaboratively together. But what are some of the things as team leaders that we can have and be mindful of so that we can best support our team through change? Um, what what would that look like, giving our team some kind of parameters or structure that they still do feel like there is some aspect of control on their part? On their part. So there's a
1: couple of um, uh, models of change um, that work really well. So um, there's a very simple model that, you know, like a a lot of the traditional change models are are now actually um, uh, uh, from the previous uh, century not just decade um mm-hmm. and one of them is the transition model from bridges and it talks very much around how things um are ending and we go into this transition phase or this neutral phase and then we go into our new um our new beginnings phase um and human beings we react in fairly um um We call it the change curve, I don't want to get um, technical or anything, but there are particular emotions and reactions that we have as individuals as we are faced with uncertainty and that's what change is, it's just taking us from something that we're very comfortable doing to something that is not quite so known. and so we actually have re- reactions to that and responses and, and we feel, you know, and these are feelings of maybe shock and denial. Um, they can be feelings of anger. They can be feelings of excitement. You know, some people actually really like living and working in a, in a chaotic world. Um, most of us are creatures of habit and this is where that comfort, getting pushed out of my comfort zone makes me anxious. And so when you look at a simple model like that, it's um It's around equipping the team leader to have those conversations with the team and sort of go, like, well, okay, we've, you know, we know we're now facing into this new project, right? Mm -hmm. Or or this new change is coming in and it's at the end of the financial year um, and we're going to be busy. All right. So, what are some of the things that we can do now? All right. So, it always ceases to amaze me that we get to the beginning of June and um, leaders go, like, oh my goodness, it's performance review time and I've got, you know, 12 people that I could prepare for 12 um, uh, one-on-one conversations and then 12 follow-up activities it's like well you know look down the road look down look down and see what you can actually always be doing ahead of time you know? yes get you, get your get your people give them a part to play in what's going on you know um, uh, it's not that we don't like change we don't like being changed and I think that's one of the expressions that that you hear quite a bit so don't surprise people surprises are birthday cake and champagne that's what i t- that's what i tell people that's what a surprise is a surprise is not finding out on a friday that something you know really dramatic is happening to you on a monday you yes. know that's that's not the sort of surprise people like so yeah. keeping people a- abreast with information as you've got it and even if you don't have any information telling people that nothing you have nothing new but giving the opportunity for them to share and to mm-hmm. talk things through um but getting them to actually want to take on tasks and feel like they've 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 got a place to, uh, to play here yes. uh, really helps them, you know. And I think, um, and I hear this all the time, you know, that authentic leadership. But as a leader, it is actually fine to be vulnerable. Now, as mm. long as you're not going to pieces every minute of every day in the office, that that's obviously something is completely not right. But it's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay to say, look, I don't have the answers here, but why don't we find them together?
0: Yes, you know, yes. or
1: I'm I'm in the same position as the team. I I don't know what is going to happen, but let's find out. Let's ask the questions that we don't know, and let's go and find some answers. Mm. You know, and I think it, it's it's and I think that's where the crisis stuff from COVID has really shown us that you know we don't have to have all the answers. We've just got to you know face into what we've got right now and have a look at well, what do we know? What don't we know? What's the right thing to do right now Mm -hmm. and how do we engage more people into doing that?
0: Yeah. As you're sharing that, uh, Bev, I'm reminded of a story that I heard many, many years ago and it was of a leader who wanted to, her, her. I can't remember whether it was her or him, but we'll just say her. Her whole goal was to protect the team as much as possible from a lot of the things that were going on in the workplace. So she would often have conversations behind closed doors and not share things till they were all sorted out. And it was interesting because throughout the organisation, Organization, they did a 360 degree personal brand feedback and she was horrified to learn that the perception of that leadership style was that she was unapproachable, that she was not part of the team. So in effect, what she ended up doing was becoming that which was what she wanted to, to protect your team from. So what you have said that as leaders to be able to have that open communication, show the level of vulnerability. And when we talk about that, as you said, it's not that you dropping it you know, into pieces and so forth, but rather being honest and saying, well, we're not really sure. and and also contributing or or inviting ownership, if you will, and then contribution to the conversation. Because we never know, there may be team members that once we start brainstorming, that whole bubble of brainstorming and innovating, you know, ideas that come forth from one initial, you know, conversation can really be quite surprising, isn't it? And that's the kind of thing that I think when we get to have that inspired contribution, collaboration, that the team has contributed to that, and have been able to valuably contribute, I think, in, in and of itself, is something yeah. that adds real strength to the team too, isn't it? And they're not surprised, you know. That's right, uh, yeah. 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 And,
1: and, you know, I use, I use that term with my team around, um, you, you know, I, I will back them 100%. You know, yeah. in, anybody in my team, I'll back them a hundred percent. But just keep me abreast of something because I can't back you and support you if you if you're walking into something um, oh and you're not aware of it, right? Because you don't yeah. have the backstory. But if you've got that the heads up, and I've had a few of those um, where you, you you know, like oh, before you go to that meeting, just a heads up of what's happening, because at least then you're not caught, you're not caught yes. out as well. You know, so. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a very um, it's a very challenging time. Um, and it's it's the sort of skill set right now that is really testing us you know it's yes. it's i think the last couple of years um i think people are, are still um tired it's quite mentally mm-hmm. tiring you know it feels like we're just sort of carrying this this thing around mm-hmm. um so it's a bit tiring we have to learn to be uh, nicer to ourselves and, and give ourselves that, that little space. It's and, and so energy. important,
0: isn't it? I notice that even is, in, in yeah. myself, the energy levels, having more breaks through the day. And, and what I've also heard too, you know, when when you're looking at team leaders is to recognise that uh or creating environments in where people can openly share because bottling things up and not speaking about it and and sometimes it can make all of the difference, isn't it? I know as women what we often do is we'll have chats with girlfriends, colleagues, and it's just like a release, isn't it? Not that we're looking for answers or anything, but just having someone that we can share something with lessens the load. Definitely. And that's important, isn't it, to have an environment where people feel welcome to have those conversations yeah
1: so it's around building that support network you know so um, easier done if you're already part of of a team that's that's been going through this change a little bit harder if you're a new person coming into that team you know but build that support network uh, within your team with people outside of that team perhaps within the same organization or your own um, contacts that you've got so you know it's it's that whole problem shared is a problem halved and yes. just being able to, as you say, just being able to talk it through with someone is quite often just a relief because you then can put it into perspective around, well, actually on on that dimension of how important and how much energy should I spend on this, I probably don't need to spend as much. So mm-hmm. building that support network, you know, if, even having some mentors, you know, I, there's a lot of the... Um, the foundations of leadership, the foundations of, of change that we sort of forget about in our haste to look at the nice, new, shiny ways that we mm-hmm. can do working. Um, and we, we do forget that there are some of these fundamentals, if we just go back and look at them, you know, the fundamentals of, of treating people with respect, the fundamentals of actually, um, you know, consolidating your knowledge, consolidating some of your skills um, when I, when I do the group mentoring I, I do a group mentoring session every every month and whoever wants to come comes and we talk about what is relevant for them but the first thing I, I ask people is you know what are some of the achievements that people have had in the last week or, or the last few, few weeks um and and it takes a little bit for time for people to sort of go like oh actually what have i achieved because it's very easy it's humans to come out and go well let me share the problems i've got you know (laughs) my problems bigger than your problem Um, but let's think about well some of these small achievements because sometimes just getting yourself into work or or you know up on the Field is, um, is the biggest achievement of all. So, yeah. you know, being kind, recognize some of these small successes that we're having because that gives us that energy um, to, to continue because we are moving forward um, and taking a little bit of time out for ourselves. But, yeah, have a look at some of the skills you've got. You'll be really surprised at how much resilience you have. You'd be very surprised if you um if you go back and have a look at some of the different work that you've done and the skills that you've got out of that that you sometimes forget because you're so focused on going forward that you forget yes. to go back and have a look and go, Oh well, yeah, I've done that. That's just a that's a skill I've got sitting there. I've just, you know, left it behind for a little while, but I can bring that out. You know, yes. I can I can plan things. Yeah. You know? Just because my world's a bit chaotic at the moment i can give myself some anchors during the day or during the week you know like there's little things that you can bring forward
0: yeah i love those reminders it's so important and as you said it's often the very simplest of things the um showing of gratitude and isn't it interesting it is i love i I was smiling as you were sharing you know what are you thankful for what are you grateful for Mm. What are some of those successes? It's it's almost like a snowball effect, isn't it? All of a sudden, because I I do that regularly with clients, and they're, oh, I'm not really much. And then someone's, oh yes, and then I did this and this, and then fall along because I write them down. I said you've just listed a half a dozen things that you you know that you would not originally you weren't even aware that uh, you had done. It's such a reminder, I think, isn't it? Yes, because it the is. Often, it is. We highlight all of the things that are going wrong and we negate the fact of, well, what are all of the things that went right and it's yeah. uh, so important. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's
1: a different context at the moment, but certainly um, on a yearly basis um, with my teams, you know, we, we would generally do it around the end of the year where you do that reflective, you know, so how far have we come in our journey you know what have we done in the last 12 months because you, you know you're building on it so slowly so slowly that after 12 months you actually forget that oh you know 12 months ago th- the team was only this amount of size or um you know we were we were only conducting a certain number of things or delivering a certain number of things but look at what we've actually delivered look at uh, the brand of our team now look at how more respected we are look at how you know people actually want to want to come and talk to us because they think that we're the you know we've got value that we can add and and if you just make that time to do that and a year might be too long you know do it quarterly you know as, as part of those conversations let's just have a moment because we, we're very good at looking at stuff and going how can we improve how can we improve and we forget that we've got lots of strengths that we can go well actually how can i build on that strength how do we make that strength now leverage us into something else
0: yeah and something that i'm often reminded of as well and this goes back to the conversation we were having around the feeling of control whilst circumstances and i'm sure that there's a saying and i'm paraphrasing that whilst we cannot control the things that are going on around us what we do have control of is how we will let that affect us isn't it yes And that starts in the inside, doesn't it? It it really is your mind and it's doing all of some of the beautiful things that you've reminded us of, that even though things may be changing externally and, and, you know, the workplace and so forth, how we approach that and allow that to impact us is very much in our control Always, and uh, no one can take that uh, away from us. I know, Bev, we've only scratched the conversation. (laughs) We could spend many hours talking about this, and it's so relevant today, but I know that this is an area of expertise that you and your team have. You've got so many resources that you can continue to share with others. If they want to connect with you, find out more about how they may be able to work with you and read all of the resources that you have on your website and so forth, what's the best way for them to connect with you, Bev?
1: So um uh, through Aspire Change Management. So yes. that's at Aspire Change Management, or one word. Didn't think about that when I was actually typing that in. Um, so aspirechange and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and just just reach out. You know, one one thing I would say, Anne Marie is we've talked we've talked a lot about that soft leadership elements. Um, I'm very strong for people to get that foundational skill. So actually some of the um, the theories of change, um, just to understand not just how I might react as an individual so I can build my own resilience and endurance um, and how I can lead my team. Sometimes just understanding that when you do something to A, this is what happens to B. And what's, you know, when we talk about leadership with the organisation, you know, what type of organisation are we working in? So what's actually going to be palatable for that organisation and the leadership group? Um, Because, you know, you you do have to find as you work with your individuals, you need to be working at the same level with your leaders as well. So are you ahead of them? Are you behind them? Um, Are are we all sort of, you know, singing off the same um, song sheet? Because it's very hard you know, like your genders, we have different leadership styles. So when we start talking about getting to know people and, and um, uh, being authentic and showing emotion, that doesn't sit comfortably with um, groups of our, our leadership dynamics. So, you know, come and learn, come and come and get mm-hmm. some, we, we don't do as much formal learning as we used to. Um, come and do some learning, come and mentor, um, get yourself you know, your support network and definitely more than happy for anyone to reach out for a conversation through Aspire um, or through LinkedIn.
0: Fantastic. Thanks once again for coming on the show. I know that uh, I have learned so much from uh, listening to uh, you share your insights and I'm sure everyone else has as well. But connect with Beb, Aspire, changemanagement.com.au for further information as well. Thanks so much, Beb. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's lovely to be here. You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.